Welcome to Modern Marketing Messages. This is the leading podcast discussing the latest and greatest in both online and offline marketing tactics, strategies, and trends. I'm your guest host, Richard Roper, also host of the Screen Time Podcast, which is powered by AmericanEagle.com Studios. Now, in this episode, we're going to be having conversations with marketers from different businesses. Welcome to the AmericanEagle.com Studios. Who are we saying hello to right now? Hi, my name is Drew Popper, and I work for Hellerman Titan in the e-business area. Drew Popper. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that is just a fantastic name. It sounds like like you could have been a professor at Slytherin in, in the Harry Potter book. So tell me, Drew, now where are you from originally? Um, I'm originally from New York. Okay. Um, I've been told that I should be doing a podcast <laughs> with my name. So maybe yes. this is an entree into Popper's that. podcast there coming soon. I like there it. There you go. Um, and uh, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin now. And that's where the company is based? You're based yes. in Milwaukee. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about your background and how you came there. Just a little, let's, let's hear the Drew Popper story. Oh my gosh. Well, it's a long roundabout way, so I'll, I'll cut out some things. Um, but <laughs> I, I, my background is in technology marketing, and I've started out that way, uh, mm. way back when. I've been working in website development for at least 25 years and started out way back when, um, and I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico at that time, working for the National Labs. And that's how I got my start. I love Albuquerque. I'll give you a quick aside because we have to make this about me at some point too, Drew. I used to do a lot of work for the Reels channel, which is based in Albuquerque. And as you may know, Albuquerque has become a huge hub for movies and TV, the Albuquerque studios. So I would go out there once a month because I had to be on New Mexico soil for them to get the tax breaks, okay? (laughs) And I was uh, in a studio, was right next to uh, a show that was just starting, they were telling me about called Breaking Bad, when it was first starting. So I love Albuquerque. So you've traveled quite a bit, but now you've, how long have you been in Milwaukee? 20 years. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, you know, and I know there's some, some of this is kind of Chicago. We're, by the way, we're in the Chicago area. For those of you who are listening, AmericanEagle.com headquarters are in Des Plaines, right outside of Chicago. You know, there's some sports rivalries, but I feel the two cities are actually very much kindred in terms of like being big, small towns where, you know, I feel the people are very friendly. There's a lot of great stuff to do. How do you feel when you come to Chicago? Um, Milwaukee's way better than Chicago. Good answer for someone who's based in Milwaukee. That's a good answer. (laughs) So tell me, okay, so tell me a little bit about the company where you are now. What is your, what is your official title with the company? I'm the e-business manager. Okay. And we, uh, Hellerman Titan, uh, we produce, uh, items that are used for electrical routing and protection. And what that means is we make a lot of plastic parts mm. that um, protect wires in in very commercial ways. So, for example, in an automotive situation where there's a lot of electrical wires going through, we make protection for those electrical okay. wires, help them connect or help them attach to the car. So they're protected and out of the way for people. So very vital, but sort of like a, an unseen thing that people only notice if something's not going right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I Before working there, I had no idea um, about these products at all. We make cable ties that are made out of all different types of material, material that can be used in a solar mm. environment. Um, in a very cold environment, in a wet environment. So lots of different material science goes into our products. And we've been through this, you know, incredible, uh, stressful and trying time that, you know, I don't think, well, maybe some of us did see this was going to last this long. We're now 
well into the second year and we've had our ebbs and flows. Um, from the start with the pandemic, did you have to implement new digital marketing strategies? How did you cope with that? How did you know? Let's kind of go back to the beginning when it first became apparent that things were going to change. Yes. Um, well, it took a while for us to really adapt, and we realized that we needed to do a lot more to support our sales staff mm. since they were unable to go and visit with customers. So, producing videos and doing some. Um, online learning and things like that became much more important. Mm -hmm. um, our customers were all in the same boat. So, you know, it was very easy to be empathetic, empathetic with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so our customers were great and very patient with us. You know, I, I, it's interesting you put it that way, Drew, because, it, it, you know, the worst possible circumstances, but in a way, you know, maybe we kind of took our business partners and our clients for granted and it was business as usual, literally. And then we all felt like we were kind of in something together. Did you feel that way? Like, you know, with the people you were dealing with, with your clients, with your sales staff? Absolutely. And we still feel that way because mm -hmm. we still uh, feel the reverberations of mm -hmm. the pandemic. It's still affecting everyone's business. Business. Our business has been great, but we have been affected by the chips shortage. We do a lot in the automotive industry, so that's been a challenge. And that's something that's recently become a big thing, too, where, you know, I don't know if this has specifically happened to your company, but, you know, your stuff could be in a cargo ship somewhere and there's no one to bring it to Milwaukee for you to then distribute it. Absolutely. We have that problem with all around, you know, luckily we had a very good stock of material, so mm -hmm. we've been able to keep our production You've been able to meet, uh, meet demand? You've been yes. able to keep up with that? Yeah, in good. most cases, in most cases. Now, yes. you're, you mentioned your sales force. How big of a sales force is it all together? Oh, my gosh. Probably about 30 people all over the country. And then we have offices in Mexico and in Canada as well. Oh, OK. So you're really a North American company, not just, uh, you know, in terms of having offices in both in both places. We're an international company gotcha. and okay. we have at least 13 different operations in different countries. Okay. Every country great. you can imagine in Milwaukee were the North American operations. Understood. OK, great. And the sales staff then. So the sales staff. Prior to the pandemic, they were all about face-to-face, -face, making those calls, building those relationships in person, and all of a sudden, that didn't just kind of slowly dissipate, it just came to a grinding halt, correct? Correct, correct. And that how do you, really how did hard. you deal with the sales staff? Because that's gotta be tough, especially, I'm sure, as we know, like the best salespeople, that's what they're all about. They're all about the contacts and the in-person relationships, not the telephone, not the email, not mm -hmm. the text. Well, I would say our sales staff really adjusted and pivoted really quickly nice. to be able to adapt to the pandemic. And sure, it affected everyone in different ways. But our, like I said, our customers are long-term customers. Mm -hmm. We haven't needed to really go out and find a whole bunch of new customers. We've been able to really keep steady increases. So we already had very, very strong relationships with our customers. So that helped, obviously. Mm -hmm. But we helped our sales staff, like I said, with online materials, making sure that they had what they needed. Also, we have portals for our customers so that they can get to the information they need mm -hmm. um, in a in a secure environment. And we started doing more online learning, webinars, things like that, that helped. Did you find that there was then some element of a silver lining where you found different tools and techniques that you might not have 
discovered or tried had it not been for this kind of lockdown situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it really identified some areas that we could um, do better and that we could start doing. Uh, for example, we're starting a blog, which we didn't have before. Mm -hmm. Again, it's to reach out to our customers and potential customers and users of our products in a more electronic way, um, digital way. So we didn't have that before, but we feel like that's an important new um, new tool. So looking forward, we're almost to 2022, if you can believe it. I mean, and all of this madness started at the end of 2019, really, mm -hmm. and then really affected the United States in early 2020. What do you see as the future for your digital marketing going into 2022? I think the future for us is going to be much more targeted and, you know, mm -hmm. targeting based on the different industries that we serve targeted based on different size of distributors that we have because some of them only purchase products for certain segments mm -hmm. and just really segmenting and personalization is going to be important for us. Sounds great. Drew Popper, thank you so much for joining us. We well, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you for the time. So joining us now is Susan Behrman from the Animal Store. Correct. Susan, welcome. And I have to ask you right off the bat. Now, your last name is Bearman. Correct. Just like Bear Man. Yes. Now, does everybody who works at the animal store have to have an animal in their name? Do you have like Jimmy Giraffe Head or anything like that? Or are you unique to this? Well, we have not implemented that <laughs> marketing strategy yet, but we're working on it. Yeah. I mean, because it is kind of the perfect name for someone who works at the animal store, right? A lot of people think so. People mention that because they're like, oh, really? You know? So, um, well, first of all, tell us what your exact position is. My exact position is I married someone who bought a pet store. <laughs> and he knows a lot about retail. Mm -hmm. I'm a communications person. I'm a writer okay. by trade. And so I just sort of took over the marketing and am completely self-taught. That's fantastic. Now, you say you're a writer by trade. What type of writing uh, have you done through your career? I've done everything from business to business mm -hmm. to poetry. I published a short story this year. That's so. awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to have to read that. We're, okay. we'll, we'll talk after the podcast. Okay, so tell us about The Animal Store. The Animal Store is, my husband used to describe it as sort of the animal version of an old-fashioned hardware store because everything is there and <laughs> on display and things like that. Unlike big box stores mm -hmm. or even um, a lot of pet stores now, a lot of pet stores don't have pets. I know. They have supplies. They have food. They That's have true. cute little collars. They have stuff like Halloween that. costumes exactly. or holiday stuff. You're so right because I, I have a little pup and I go into what, you know, they call them pet stores and I, and you walk in, there might be like one lonely cat right. greeting you that I think they just bring in there as a prop. And you're like, well, where are the pets in the pet store? So this is more of the all-encompassing pet store. Right. So it's a really, somebody once called us the Who Knew Zoo. It's like visiting <laughs> a zoo when you come to our shop. We're very family friendly. We invite families to come in and kids and you know, they can get to meet the animals and, and come in one time or 10 times and ask their questions and learn what it's like to take care of a certain kind of animal. We sell everything except dogs. And there's a practical reason for that. And there's sort of other kinds of reasons. Mm. Practical reason is it's a really small store. 
and we don't have an outdoor space mm -hmm. and and dogs and puppies really need sure. that so we recommend a shelter dog or from a reputable yeah, breeder. There are plenty of places people right. can go. So what? first of all, where is the animal store? It's in Lincolnwood on Tui Avenue. In just, Lincolnwood, Illinois, for those mm -hmm. of us listening across the country. You should come to Lincolnwood. Definitely. Get the chance. And how long has it been there? Well, the store existed as a pet store before we got it. Okay. But we've owned it for 30 years. Oh, wow. So, okay, so a really long time. All right. So you're a real institution in, in Lincolnwood. We, we are. We are. That's and we're awesome. getting to be known a little bit more broadly. We have really cool animals, like super fun things that you've never heard of. So, yeah, we have parakeets and and goldfish and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But we have really neat things like sugar gliders and iguanas. I'm going to stop you right there for a second, Susan. Sugar gliders. I thought that was something you could get like at White Castle. But that what is a sugar glider? A sugar glider is a small marsupial oh wow. it's i think it's the only marsupial kept as a pet okay and they have they're just adorable they they're kind of they're kind of like little flying squirrels sort of they have a little bit of a bat wing that's why they're called gliders because oh, wow. in the wild they glide from tree top to tree top they have huge eyes and cute little ears and adorable faces and people fall in love with them when they see them i feel like it's something that like lin-manuel miranda will do the voice for the animated sugar glider in an upcoming picture our movie. I totally see that. I, I think we should suggest that. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you get your message out. So you're doing the marketing. Uh, did that change during the pandemic in terms of what your role is and how you market the animal store? Well, it's sort of interesting. The pandemic hasn't affected us as much as it has many other businesses mm -hmm. because we were considered an essential business. Because okay, so you were allowed to remain open. We were uh, allowed throughout. to remain and, and open. still are. We should and, let people know. Yes. Yeah. And we, we require masks and we do a lot of sanitizing mm -hmm. in the store and all the COVID protections that we can we can afford. Mm -hmm. And but we had to be there to take care of our animals and people need supplies and food and things for their animals at home. So that's why we were considered an essential business. Um, the real change in marketing came for us. My husband was very sort of old school retail <laughs> brick and mortar why do i need to be online that kind right. of thing yeah. so getting him to buy into that took a little while and i started out really super simply with just a blogger blog mm -hmm. that's that's really what happened and then i finally said we ha we have to have a website mm -hmm. we have to have a website and that's how we connected with american eagle mm -hmm. and i learned on the fly and created our website and it gets really good traffic and now we're working on our social media and we're looking for a way to maybe put some of our um, products online too. That's what I was going to ask next, the uh, the option then that people would be able to get supplies or products or toys or whatever the case may be through an online portal. That's going to be something you're working on? Right. That's, mm -hmm. that's our next step. Okay. We're now on TikTok, which is really fun, and Instagram. We've been on Facebook for a while, a little mm -hmm. bit of Twitter, some Pinterest. So those are kind of the marketing channels we're looking at. And it was a slow build, but we can definitely see now that those are driving word of mouth to get people into the store. And we're working with American Eagle. They're helpful then kind of you know, uh, implementing and, and kind of, because it sounds like it's a learning experience both ways. And I know when I've worked with them, they usually there's a hands-on kind of feeling like you're not just dealing with an anonymous company. Absolutely. I was 
pretty clueless when I started. And if you look at our website, it's it's pretty sophisticated for a small brick and mortar store. And I was only able to do that with with their help. And you know, the nice thing too, Susan, as you mentioned, like, okay, your husband's old school. He wants people to come in. But I know from my point of view, if I was going to check out the animal store, the first thing I would do is check out your website and then see if it's, if I want to make the trip to Lincolnwood to, to come see you guys. Is this a real place? Yeah. Does it even exist? Yeah, if, is if, it a real place? Yeah. If you're not on the web, which is bizarre, if you're not in this virtual space, then you yeah. don't exist in real life either. Absolutely. And it, it's a strange kind of coexistence that you have to have both before people accept you mm-hmm. in in the real world. And I don't know if you're doing this, but you know, I, you see a lot of companies do this. You can get testimonials then from customers and put them on the web. Hey, we got a sugar glider at the animal store, and it's part of the family now. We love like good stuff like that. <laughs> um, and people love their animals, yes. and they they love to talk about them, and and they really become part of your family. Yes. So it's it's different than buying a couch. Or refrigerator mm-hmm. or even a new car. People have such an emotional attachment to their pets. And and like I said, they're really family members. I found that from my standpoint, you know, I've been lucky enough that the work I do in, in writing and podcasting could continue because it's kind of, you know, stuff you can do from a studio. Or I could do my writing from home. And I'm, I was used to that, but having my dog, you know, day in and day out, I could get choked up just talking about it. It just makes such a difference to have that companion, but also someone, a living thing that's depending on you. I think people found that as too. It gave them a purpose through the pandemic. I, I think that's a really important point because in addition to the pandemic, there's, there's a certain reimagining of what it means to be a human being mm-hmm. in our very complex world. And people are looking toward experiences. Mm-hmm. And owning an animal or having an animal adopted into your family is a very intimate, very personal experience. For a lot of kids, it's their first um, real sense of responsibility. Mm. They learn to take care of something. They learn maybe that they're not quite the center of the world, that there are other <laughs> yeah. things around that require attention and things like that. So it's it's more than... Some people, they have a hard time understanding the role that pets play, Mm -hmm. but anyone who has a pet, even if they can't express what it is, they feel it and they feel it really strongly and really deeply. Did you find too, I know we heard a lot of stories about families, oh, we're going to, we're going to get a pet because of the pandemic, because the kids were being schooled at home and that's a responsibility for you and your husband and, and the animal store to make sure that someone is prepared for what's ahead, that there's a lot of work involved in addition to a lot of love and companionship. 100%. A really big part of our um, mission is to make sure that families understand what it means to mm-hmm. take care of this animal. What kind of a commitment? For example, if you've ever seen a parrot, they're beautiful, right? So if you love birds, mm-hmm. a lot of parrots can live 50 75, Hmm. 100 years. So when you adopt a bird like that into your family, you have to even think about putting it in in your will and what's going to happen to it when you're no longer around to be able to take care of it. So there are are a lot of things to consider before you bring an animal into your home. Absolutely. So now we're looking, we're almost to 2022, if you can believe it, Susan. I mean, somehow we've made it there. What is the future for marketing from the marketing standpoint for Animal Store? What do you see in the future? 
like I said, I think we're going to try and put some products online mm-hmm. and see how that goes. I think we're really working at integrating that online experience with the in-store experience. As a brick-and-mortar business, we want people to come into the store. Mm-hmm. But I think there are lots of opportunities with online marketing to entice people into the store, Mm. to give them some pre-information so that they know questions to ask or what they're looking for or what to expect. And so I think there are lots of ways that we can we can expand it and share the fun stuff of owning a pet, too. Exactly. My my unsolicited uh, tip of the day for you, Susan, is. Have a sugar glider have its own TikTok account. Okay. And, and then that'll become what you'll be most famous for. Well, my daughter just ad- adopted a kitten. It's Aww. it's her first pet as an adult. Okay. And one of the things she has agreed to do is blog about a year in the life of a Love kitten. It. So we're going to put that on the website. I think it'll be really fun. Look for Gus Gus online. He's very cute. Gus Gus. Susan Behrman, thank you so much. We appreciate the Animal Store, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Susan Behrman from the Animal Store. They are licensed for all the pets they carry. They're ethically sourced. Kudos to them for that. The Animal Store. All right. We are in the AmericanEagle.com studios, and joining us now is Ted Horan. Ted? Hi. Welcome. Thank you. And you are with? RDO Equipment Company. Tell us about RDO Equipment Company. Right. We are a large John Deere dealer. Oh, cool. We sell both John Deere agricultural equipment, but also John Deere construction equipment. We also sell the equipment you would use to mow your yard. Nothing runs like a deer. Hey. You know. Smart. But I got to say, sincerely, that is one of the great brand names of all time, I think. You know, John Deere. I mean, I know growing up for me, for everybody, it's just so familiar. So how long have you been with the company? Um, I've been with the company for five years. Okay. Yeah. What, um, what were you doing before that? Can you well, talk about what you're doing before that? Sure. Or is it a state secret? No, or? I I, um, I was in the restaurant business. I owned okay. and operated some restaurants. So it absolutely makes sense that I'm now <laughs> marketing heavy equipment. Well, you're, you're going, um, I guess this would be Table to farm instead of farm to table, yeah, kind of in a way. Something so, like something that. Something like that. What's your exact title now? What is your position? Right. Okay. So yeah. I've got a fancy title. I'm vice president of marketing and e-commerce. Okay. Which is perfect. And that'd be why you're here, of course. Yeah. So let's talk. A, okay. So first of all, yeah, the John Deere brand. Do you have a lot of the hats? Do you have a whole oh, we, collection of we hats? We do hats. Because we got we to talk hats. Maybe sure. I'll, I'll give you like a private review of something okay. in advance okay. in exchange for a few hats. We do lots of hats. Uh, but, you know, like like everybody else, Ted, obviously you've had to adjust. You know, we're going back, you know, we're talking right now. It's near the end of 2021. Believe it or not, it's almost two years now. I mean, it was late 2019 when we first started hearing about this, whatever they were calling it, this virus and early uh, last year, by the time things started changing, what kind of changes did you have to make from your standpoint when it became apparent that we were going to be on some form of lockdown for a long period of time? Right. I think one of the first reactions that we had, my team had, is, holy crap, mm-hmm. what do we do? What's this really going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and there really was, were no answers and I think what we discovered real quickly, though, is in, we were fortunate enough to sell, like I said, tractors that you use to mow your yard. Mm-hmm. Well, people were mowing their yard. <laughs> they were doing other things. Yeah. They were getting after hobby, getting after things that they hadn't 
been doing sure. for a while. Yeah. And so we were selling tractors um, and we were we were in business. But also we sell to those who feed and mm-hmm. build the world, right? From growers to contractors and their world never stopped. Yeah. It, you know, if, if you want to define it as essential, I mean, it's, they're, the they're most essential, essential yeah. right? Right. And so sure. as an organization like RDO Equipment Company, our, our job really is to service our customers, mm-hmm. is to be in service to and for our customers. And so, you know, that's keeping them up. Run, that's keeping them running. That's making sure that the equipment that they've purchased is doing the job that they need it to do. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we were doing. And so from a marketer's perspective, you know, we were telling those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were making sure that we were doing it in a respectful way, right? I mean, it's, everybody's, if, if you didn't evaluate your messaging and if you didn't think through how you were speaking to to your customers in, in a new COVID space, I mean, you were missing the boat. And so, of course, we did those things and, and we made adjustments to our messaging. But but in, in a lot of ways, it, I feel guilty almost saying this, but we weren't disrupted in the same way as others. You never, there was never a moment like, you know, we talked to you were in the restaurant business. And oh, of course, you dude, know, so I, many so, restaurants had to uh, yes. you know, shut down or lay off people. I mean, it, you know, it remains a huge challenge to this day. And you never had that moment of no. course, with RDO. And that's, that is a big deal. I mean, we're, we're mindful of the, you know, one of our important hallmarks is the fact that we, we believe in serving the communities that serve us and that, mm. that we do business in. So certainly our, our stores throughout the U.S. were doing things to help our communities to be good community stewards and to step up and be helpful where we can. And uh, and when we were doing that, I, I definitely feel for those organizations and those businesses that, you know, from health and fitness centers to restaurants where mm. their business just stopped. I'm an entrepreneur before I, I think I consider myself a marketer. And mm. And that's why I was in the restaurant business. I'm grateful I got out. I mean, I got out because I love my kids and my wife more than I do that business. Yeah, and, that and, talk about twenty four seven, right? right? And, and evenings that's, and everything. Yeah. And so I just try to imagine. Actually, I don't go there very much because mm. if you start to think about it, it's just too depressing. Like, what would life be like? And so I have lots of friends and colleagues that are still in that business, and I feel for them. I yeah. feel for him. And, and it was rough. It's very rough. What about in terms of um, challenges? I mean, you, you were continuing on, but obviously, I mean, I would assume for salespeople, for, you know, there were different, there are changes that had to be made. I mean, what was some of the big challenges you faced? Well, of course, you're not visiting customers in the yeah. same way that, that we're used to. We, yeah. If you were to ask any of our, our boots on the ground, our field reps, our, our account managers, our salespeople, you know, they, they're going to tell you we're in the relationship business. Yeah. And it was really hard not to go and see those customers on a regular basis. So we got really good, as most organizations did, at virtual meetings, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that for us, that was huge. Mm-hmm. And that was important. Our, our guys, our, our salespeople, our, our folks got really good at telling the story virtually, at presenting our equipment in unique and creative ways. Um, I think that that was big for us. Um, you know, I, I also know that we had to adjust the way people would pick up their spare parts, yeah. right? Well, you know, doing curbside and, and del- I mean, it seems so simple, but it really disrupted processes for a little bit. But yeah. but honestly, some of those things will never change for us. And we'll, we'll continue to deliver to 
the curb for our customers. That's what I was. That's what right? I was going to ask, Ted. I mean, you know, you hate to say silver linings, but you know, things you learn that you might not otherwise have learned. Like you talk about something like yeah. a curbside pickup that may never really have occurred before. Then, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think some of those delivery mechanisms, some of those things that we learned, we learned that that actually we we probably should have done it sooner. Right. Right. And with RDO equipment too, you know, I mean, there's certain things, and I, I say this with all due respect to a lot of brands out there, but I think there's something generational generational about RDO equipment where you have people saying, well, my father, oh, yeah. my grandfather, my grandparents had this tractor or this. It's a big company, but there's all it's always had that kind of personal feeling that, of course, you didn't want to lose that either. That, right. you know, that feeling that, you know, everybody's part of this community with John Deere. Right. Well, and we're a family owned business mm. and that family takes pride in the business, certainly, but also is is certainly concerned about our our team members but our customers as well. Um, our founder was a farmer. He started when he was 26 years old mm. farming with his father. And he got into the equipment business sort of by accident. Mm. And so, I mean, I think he's always has approached the business from the standpoint of a grower, of somebody, a, a purchaser of equipment. We're customer first and service first. And I think that we've been doing business with these people for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and so we sort of kind of do what we need to do to get the job done. And you mentioned, you know, you know, virtual meetings. And of course, we all you know, people thought Zoom was a show on Channel 11 back in the day right. until about two years ago. <laughs> but as horrific and tragic, of course, on a human level, much bigger than any business this has been. I always say to people, imagine when this happened in 1917 or even if this had occurred in the 1970s, at least thank God. For the technology that's out there that enabled you to keep doing, getting your message out there and continuing with business. Yeah, I mean, we're innovative. You know, business, mm. we're innovative. People people got to work and figured it out. Mm. And that's impressive to me. And I love to hear stories about companies that discovered or figured out something that the ways yeah. that they could do uh, during these difficult times in these COVID era, they could do their thing. Mm -hmm. I'm impressed by the innovation that yeah. was around us yeah i think it was you know it was pretty amazing to see so we're talking right now it's by the time people are going to be hearing this it's going to be very close to the end of 2021 what's your overall philosophy for 2022 in terms of marketing yeah one of the things that i think covid has done for for me and probably for other marketers is it's really forced us to reconsider our brand mm -hmm reconsider how we tell our story and how we message our brand. We have spent so much time, at least I have in the last several years, trying to get our digital game right, mm. trying to be better marketers, trying to get the right information in the hands of the people when they need it most, that we haven't neglected our brand, but we haven't necessarily talked to brand or mm. talked about who we are in ways that maybe we would have in the past, right? right? I think we've it, so me, it's doubling down on that and making sure that our customers understand who we are mm -hmm. and, and frankly, that we listen to our customers to make sure that indeed what we're delivering is what they expect and what they need. Beautifully said. Ted Horan, RDO Equipment Company. Thank hey. you for stopping by the studio. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Modern Marketing Messages. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. Now, if you like this episode, please follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. Hey, and while you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others as well. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Modern Marketing Messages. 
This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Richard Roper. Catch you next time.